We have been in the Psalms for the last half of summer, and I know it's not summer anymore, Paul. Um, last weekend, right, was the unofficial end of summer, Labor Day weekend. But for two more Sundays, uh, we are going to return to the Psalter, as it's also called. This, this book, um, which is really five books as it's been arranged, a collection of 150 different chapters, the Psalms which, as we've noted most weeks, is a collection of Hebrew poetry, poetry that was meant to be sung, and we have not sung very many of them. I think one of them, uh, Andrea, had found a a newer version of that psalm put to music, but um, uh, that's how they were written. That's what they were intended to be, Uh, poetry meant to be sung in corporate worship. And it's it's been said, and I believe it's true, that the psalms were, for example, Jesus' hymn book, just as we sing songs by hymn writers and contemporary artists, and and that's our hymn book, so to speak. Well, for Jesus, it was the the Psalms, and the Psalms are glorious. I've said each week that I hope whatever Psalm we're in becomes one of your new best friends along the journey of life, and some of you have have shared how those have, in fact, been uh, new, new friends for you. Well, today we come to one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 119, and if you know Psalm 119 is rather large. It's the big psalm. It's the largest chapter in the Bible. It is um, in English with our, or with not just English, but with the page numbering, which of course uh, wasn't in the original, but uh, as, as each verse has been given a number, there are 176 verses. So we're going to be here a while. I'm just joking. We're, we're not going to be here quite that long. As you see on the screen, we, we will look at um, verses 9 through 16. In fact, if you have a Bible, you can turn there now, or if you're using a device, you can swipe to Psalm 119. It is the great psalm. It's been called uh, a psalm that celebrates the Torah. Torah is just the word for law, and that doesn't have to only mean the first five books, which is technically Torah, but but the instruction of God, his, his word, what we think of as the Bible. And, and it is a psalm, a whole chapter that celebrates God's word as the perfect guide for our life. Uh, it's also interesting, your, your Bibles may start to tell you some of this. This psalm is an acrostic poem. It's got 22 stanzas. Each stanza begins with, the next Hebrew letter. So like if it was English, right, stanza one would be begin with A, and every verse in stanza one would begin with the letter A, stanza two would begin with letter B, and every verse in that stanza B, and, and so on. So uh, whoever, we don't know who wrote this one, but they worked hard to make each stanza, 22 letters in the Hebrew, al- Hebrew alphabet, And each stanza begins with the next letter, and each verse in that stanza starts with that same letter. So like mine, at verse 1 over the top, is transliteration of the Hebrew letter Aleph, where we will be today at verse 9. It's not Beth. It looks like Beth. It's it's Beth um, in Hebrew, and, uh, and on each stanza goes. This psalm also does something pretty special, and some of you know this. If you look up at the screen, I've got a couple slides that I want to direct your attention to. This psalm, as I've already said, is all about 
the Bible. It's about how the Bible is the perfect guide to life, and it celebrates that. And the way the psalmist does that is by employing a number of different terms for the Torah. But again, it's not just Torah. It's, it's God's word. And for us, again, living on this side of the cross and on this side of having an Old and New Testament, the complete Bible, we can say that this psalm employs about seven or eight different Hebrew words for the Bible. And so you've got the word law. We actually won't see that word in stanza two, which is where we are today. But, but the word law, it means in instruction. Um, it's going to use the word testimonies. And, and that speaks of what God solemnly testifies to be his will. Uh, it's going to use another word, precepts. And, and that speaks of what God has appointed to be done. It's going to speak of statutes, not a statue, but statutes. And this is the, what the divine lawgiver has laid down. We're going to see commandments or commands. And commandments speak of what God has commanded. That's a pretty easy one. Uh, let me just pause for a second. You saw the word there, number three on, on this slide, precepts. And then the fifth word, commandments. One writer says, if there is any distinction to be drawn practically between a command and a precept, then it's this. A command is, is the simple idea of doing what you're told. We might think of giving a, a dog a command, down, <laughs> right? Do what you're told, dog, down, right? That, that's a command, doing what you're told. A precept, if again, if there is a practical difference, a precept suggests applying the word of God to maybe the minutia of life. So besides commands, then we have number six, rules. Rules uh, are also, uh, in fact, there's a footnote we'll see in our text today can be translated the just decrees. These are, these are rules. And these are what the divine judge, who's God, has ruled to be right and wrong in life. And then finally, word. We'll see that a few times in our stanza today. And this is what God has spoken. So you have these seven or eight, again, depending in English, you see seven, but there's a couple of different Hebrew words that mean some of these. All of these are synonyms, very much so, and yet there's some nuance to them. And so this, this psalm writer has worked hard to, to pull out all the stops and to employ all of these different terms, and to do it with the Hebrew alphabet. And Psalm 119 is, is truly glorious. So if, you, if you're there, I'm going to read. Oh, I should mention finally, yes, uh, we've noted the different types of psalms. This is a, a wisdom psalm. It's very much going to sound like proverbs or proverbial wisdom, and uh, it fits that, that type of psalm. So if you have your Bible open, Psalm 119, 9 through 16, I will read the entire stanza, and then we will talk about a few things related to it. So the second stanza, beginning with the Hebrew letter Baith, at verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart 
that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules, all the just decrees of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. This is the word of the Lord. One book on um, the Psalms, the writers, they say this, it's on the screen. Beyond finding applications in God's word for our lives, this Psalm, the whole thing, this Psalm and the psalmist here would have us apply our lives to God's word. It's a good quote. Beyond finding applications in God's word for our lives, the psalmist would have us apply our lives to God's word. I hope you you caught the different words that are, again, in one sense, synonyms of God's word of the Bible, and yet some slight nuances, as we noted. But here's the big idea, I think. I think it starts with that first verse. In fact, verse 9, the first verse of stanza 2, it's the only verse in this whole chapter that asks a question, and it's the question, how can we live the way God wants us to live? It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? Again, this, this, if you know your Bible, this is going to sound like Proverbs. Several times in Proverbs, the writer says, young man, do this, and your way will be wise, and, and be this way, young man. And, and, and so that, that language is employed. Uh, we, don't, we don't know, again, the, the exact context surrounding uh, when this was written, who wrote it, and, and, and even what, what makes a person young. So you, you heard me joke a couple weeks ago, my own little internal turmoil about turning 50. I'm doing fine. You know, it's pretty amazing. I, I made it. And I, I still feel like I'm 49, so it's good. So am I a young man anymore? To some people, I am. To others, I'm not. I think, I don't know if I said it in this context, but there's a group of pastors that, that get together, and, and I was trying to arrange one gathering, and this, this younger-than-me pastor said, oh, sorry, Paul, we have a young pastors group meeting and, you know, I about fell on the floor. I didn't realize I wasn't a young pastor anymore. I should. I should. So, what, so it's relative in a sense, right? In verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? So don't get hung up if you're 50 or over, if you're, okay. And, and ladies, right, again, it was written to a young man specifically, but the application is to all of us. How can a person... How can a Christian, that's many of us, most of us, how can a follower of Jesus live a pure way, a pure way? What's pure? Well, pure is clean. Pure is, is right with God. The way God wants us to live. This is the question. This stanza, especially with that verse, but then with the remaining verses we'll seek to answer. How can we live the way that God wants us to live? And the answer in verse Nine, and as we'll see throughout, is to focus on God's word, but, but also on God himself. How can we live the way God wants us to live? By focusing on God's word, 
and on God himself. So let's, let's look at this, this stanza of Psalm 119 together for the few minutes that we have. As I mentioned, verse 9 is the only stanza that opens with this question. How can a person keep their way pure? And the answer supplied is by, by guarding it, by, by keeping it, by living, you might say, according to your word, God. It's directed back to, to God by, by keeping one's way. Right? How can a young person, how can an older person, how can any person keep their way, their, their life right with God? By, by guarding our way according to God's word. Notice, I'll have you jump to the end for a second of this stanza at the end of uh, verse 16. Notice there, the psalmist writes, I will not forget your word. So at verse 9, we have, I, I need to guard my way according to your word. And then at the end of this stanza, I will not forget your word. So this, this stanza the word, word in Hebrew acts as a bookend. It's called an inclusio. And so it begins word and ends with word. And then there's a nice little sort of bookend to what the author is doing with this stanza. I like how one commentator notes, this is a very practical matter. And the emphasis is not so much on the Lord's nouns for his word, like your word and the equivalents, although they're there, the emphasis is on the psalmist's verbs. So not on the Lord's nouns for his word, but on the psalmist's verbs. I, I will seek, I will guard, I will live, right? It's, it's what the psalmist, what we are to do in very similar descriptions. How can we live the way God wants us to live? By focusing on God's word and, and God himself. Verse 10, the psalmist says, with my whole heart, I seek you. You've, you've heard, hopefully, me say from time to time when, when we read the word heart in the Bible, um, it's not like we think of heart today. When, when, if we were to write that with my whole heart, uh, I seek you, or, or with my whole heart, I did something, we, we typically mean emotions, we, all right? Our heart is our emotions. Well, for the, the writers of the Bible, the heart was the seed of a person. It included their emotions, but it also was their thoughts, their, their will. It was the core of who they are. So this is a, quite a verse. With my whole heart, with the core of who I am, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. What, what a verse. A commitment to wholehearted seeking. And, not, and notice there it's, it, there, it's God. He doesn't say, with my whole heart, I seek your word. No, at this point, he's saying, you, God. I seek you, but he recognizes the way that I wholeheartedly seek you is by praying, God, please don't let me wander. Don't let me stray away from your commandments. Again, first and foremost, a matter of the will, right? Whole heart, the seat of a person, emotions, thoughts, volition, all of it. 
And then verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Let me put some of you on the spot. My guess is some of you have memorized that verse at some point. If you have, just shout it out, and you may have memorized it a little differently from a different translation. Go. Okay, I heard, I heard two. Go ahead. Okay, yeah, so storing up, right? Just like the ESV, and then Jan, how did you do it? Your word or thy word I have hid in my heart. That's another one. How many, how about the word treasure? Anybody hear that? I see a hand in the back. We will wait. The bus will wait for that hand. Your word I have, I have treasured. And so the, the different English translations, hid, treasured, stored. What an amazing verse. Here's a verse to memorize. A verse that is about Memorizing. I have stored up. And I like this word stored up. I, I do think that there's a, a part of it that is about hiding, right? That, that keeping it in and treasuring. But I think stored, it, it speaks of um, like, like volume, right? If, if, if you store up things, there's, there's, there's a volume in a sense to it. The great defense against temptation is to have God's word stored up. The Proverbs speak of this, and there was a person who walked the earth who modeled this, the Lord Jesus. In Matthew 4, when he was beginning his three or so years of ministry before the cross, his, his, his work as a, as a rabbi, as a teacher, his work to, to live perfectly and obey God's word, where we can't, right, part of what he did as our Savior is is, yes, to die for our sin, but also to live the life we can't live, and he did. And as, as he was beginning his work, he was led out by the Holy Spirit to the wilderness for a temptation by the devil. And three different times, the devil came to him with temptations, and three different times, Jesus rebuked the devil, fought the temptation, because he had God's word stored up in his heart. Again, not just in his emotions, but you could think there, you know, heart would be in mind. If, 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 if he's got answers to temptations, he's stored it up. There's lots of different things that he, he was ready for. He didn't have to say, Satan, hold on. Let me, let me flip to that verse. Uh, shoot, I can't remember. Was it 1 Corinthians or 2nd? Of course, those weren't written yet, but you, you get the point. And we can't just say, well, Jesus was God the Son, so he knew it. The, the God-man, Jesus, had grown up storing up God's word. He had it. I still remember as a young Christian at, at uh, Biola in chapel, we had a speaker come who I think was challenging us as college students to memorize God's word, to store it up. But he just went off with, with verses that he had memorized. And it's like he just had them in his hand and he just knew it. He just knew it. And it was so inspiring. So inspiring. This was how Jesus dealt with temptation. And if the Son of God dealt with temptation by having God's word stored up to not sin, maybe, maybe it's a, a challenge to us. And let me, let me say, and I've said this before too, 
Some of you think you're not good at memorizing. You, you are better at memorizing than you think. And I don't know all of you very well. But, but I know God has given you an amazing mind. And I just know that we, we have the ability to store things up. It, it does take repetition and, and got to get it beyond short-term memory into the deep recesses of our minds. But, but we live in a time, friends, when, man, it, it is not, I won't say easy, because for some, yes, it's easier, but, but for all of us, there are resources. I mean, there's just the good old-fashioned, uh, you know, like I remember telling my kids from time to time when they had spelling words, write each word out 10 times. And oh, they hated that. But, but there's something about repetition and something about writing and you see it and then say it out loud. So now you're seeing it, you're writing, you're hearing it, you're speaking, get all the senses involved. Old school, baby. If there's a verse you want to memorize, write it out and that can help you. Yes, and sing it. And there are, you can just go on practically, go to YouTube and type a verse song and there probably is a video of a song. There are apps. So if you don't want to do old school, if you want to be new school and you want to have an app that gives you little quizzes and word finders, all of it's there. The, the point is, don't, don't say I can't memorize. You can. And, and, you know, you don't have to start by wanting to memorize Psalm 119. P- pick a verse for, for a week and just each day. Just repetition, and you you will get it. I love this picture of, of storing up. Again, I mentioned I like that translation. I'm, I'm camping on this verse a little bit longer than the others today because I think it's that important. Storing up. One, one writer puts it like this. And the more the better, right? Storing up. Though the psalmist is commending not the miser's love of mere quantity, but the connoisseur's appreciation of value and still more the enthusiast's eagerness to share his pleasure. I asked my youngest son, Luther, if I could tell this story, and he said I could. Um, my, my son, Luther, he collects a lot of different things, as, as his family knows. Uh, but he has become an enthusiast with pocket knives. And so you're all invited sometime to ask him about his pocket knife collection. And he's got all kinds of knives. And he quizzes me throughout the week. Dad, what kind of blade is this? I don't know. You know, do you know where this one was made? I don't remember. He's, he's stored up knives and he's got little drawers for them. And he sharpens them and cleans them and takes care of them. And, and he is an enthusiast, eager to share, eager to share that we would be enthusiasts of God's word, eager to store it up, that we might not sin, not, not just to have the knowledge, not just to say, well, I can, you know, recite all 66 books of the Bible. Well, I know, you know, the order of the kings and which ones are bad and good. And I mean, there's some things that maybe it's good just mental work to do, but the point is that we might not sin, that we might live way God wants us to. Verse 12, the psalmist turns now to blessing God, which that could be a whole nother sermon, right? How do we bless God? We, he blesses us. What does it mean? But we'll just let the text speak. Blessed are you, O Lord, magnificent, mighty, 
holy are you, O Lord, is what it means. And because of that, this, this word of praise, again, leads to a request. Teach me your statutes. Teach me your statutes. Verse 13, with my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. With, with my lips, with my mouth, I, I declare, I tell, I speak your rules, your word. What God says to him, he wants to say to others. Verse 14, in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. You know, this is one of those verses where we maybe start to go, okay, well, he's being poetic because, I mean, really, all riches, right? You, you, really, you, you believe the testimonies of God are better to delight in, and in fact, you'd really delight in them as much as in all riches. I believe the psalmist did. And I want to pray that way and speak that way. I want to delight in God's testimonies as much as in the riches he's blessed me with, us with. Michael Wilcock, a commentator, writes, the psalmist rejoices not because he thinks he ought to, but because he realizes what a treasure he has in God's word. God's self-revelation. What a treasure we have. So we ought to delight in it, and it just is the right response when we realize what we have. Let me read verses 15 and 16 together. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So I pointed out verse 9 started with guarding one's way according to your word. And now here at the end, right, the, the bookend at verse 16 is not forgetting God's word. But there's one other kind of bookend sandwiched in here as well. We have this, this recognition. The psalmist begins, look back at verse 9. How can a young man, a young person, how can a person keep his way, my way? And then the answer has been by focusing on you and your word, but, but notice here now in verse 15, he says, I will fix my eyes on your ways. So at the beginning, he was concerning himself with his ways, how he's living, but now he realizes, I, I need to look at God's ways. It's just another nice little bookend. The psalmist says that he will meditate on, to, to, to chew on, to, to murmur out loud, to repeat I will meditate on, I will fill my mind, I will meditate on your precepts. He says, I will fix my eyes, I will consider, this, this speaks of thinking about, I will be deliberate, I will fix 
my eyes on your ways. We got to go to this book to do that. I will delight in your statutes. Delight in. There's, there's hard things in God's word, right? There's hard doctrines in God's word. Um, probably one of the hardest is the doctrine of what happens to those who aren't Christians at death and at the end. Uh, we call it the doctrine of hell. We call it the doctrine of eternal conscious punishment. It's hard. I wasn't here this summer when the catechism question related to hell came up. Adam Wilson was preaching, and, and as we talked, uh, and as I heard from my family, Adam did a great job walking us through that question, walking you through it, because he said, like, if we, if we just have an easy time with the doctrine of hell, there's something wrong. Because all of us know people that unless God saves and intervenes, if we take God at his word, that's a hard reality. So when I come across a verse like this, I will delight in your statutes. And I think about hard doctrines. I don't think it just means we're delighted in a flippant way about things like hell. But what I do, what helps me is to think, I'm not nearly as compassionate as God, right? So I may think I'm compassionate, but I'm not. And, and so if God is more compassionate and gracious than I am and wiser and all those things, then even the hard doctrines, I can delight in them because I know who gave them. So I, I, I get this verse in that way. I, I, I delight in your word, e even the hard things. And it's not that I like at one level them, but, but I delight in you, God, in your ways because you're more compassionate than me. You understand way more than I do. I've used this illustration before. It's like as a parent, when your child is little, I, I'm told that at one point as a little kid, I saw the glow of a stovetop and my hand wanted to touch the glow of the stove. And my mom swooped in and smacked my hand. And I did not delight in my mom in that moment. Probably, I don't remember. I'm told that that, that she smacked my hand away. And now, looking back, I'm glad she did. I'm glad my mom knew something more than I did, is what I'm driving at. And so maybe, just maybe, God knows more than we do. And we need to have some humility, even with hard doctrines, so that we can still say, or want to say, I will delight in your statutes. So he, again, these two verses, I will meditate on your precepts. I, I will fix my eyes on, I will consider, I will think on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. And then I will not forget your word. What a stanza on how to keep our way the way God wants us to, by focusing on his word, focusing on God. How, how do you live the way God wants you to live? We, we, we are encouraged and nudged and challenged and convicted, I think, from this stanza, but from this whole psalm, to focus on God's word, focus on God.
Would you stand with me? A little bit later in this great chapter is another verse probably many of you have memorized. Verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. How do we live the way God wants us to? By focusing on God's word and on God, by letting God's word and God be be the light that we need to our, our path. Father, thank you for this great psalm and thank you for this stanza that we've spent a few minutes in. I pray we would be courageous to focus on your word, to store it up, to delight in it, to seek you, to to be all about you as you're revealed to us in your word and to trust your word. Thank you for it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.